Welcome to the Be Whole Do Good podcast. We're your hosts, Todd and Ashley Marchant, and this show is about strengthening families through whole being health. At a time when there is so much that can distract, discourage, and disconnect us, our family is on a journey that is led by three core questions. What whole being practices can we implement so every member of our family can have increased capacity, save your life more deeply, and use their gifts to do good? How do we translate and apply what we learn into simple, tiny habits that work amidst the demands of life? And how can we use our increased capacity to better care for others in our family, community, and throughout the world? Each month, our family focuses on one core area of whole being health. We take the biggest challenges we're facing in that area, seek out answers and direction, and do all we can to implement what we learn all the while sharing our journey through this podcast so you can learn and grow alongside us. We joyfully invite you and your family to join us on this whole being health journey. Hey everybody, this interview is the last interview of this month's focus on physical well-being. Next week's episode will be Ashley and I just sharing what we've been working on and learning as we have focused on improving our own family's physical well-being. But before we get into the interview, I just want to let you know about a free five-day challenge we're kicking off on April 24th. The focus of the five-day challenge is to strengthen the mindfulness of your kids so they can process their difficult emotions more effectively. There are limited seats in the challenge, so if that's of interest, head on over to BeholdDoGood.com to learn more and to sign up. I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm interested in your thoughts, Courtney. I just feel like you have such a unique perspective with the fact that you work with so many families. And I think there's sometimes things that we, we think are problems and they are problems. And, you know, we, we've kind of talked through some of those so far. And then there's times where we think there's problems and it's actually totally normal. And, and I mean, you mentioned some like the sleep regression with newborns, but just as you think about even through, you know, toddler and then into adolescence and just challenges that, you know, we deal with, are there certain things that, that you have come up often where parents are like really worried about something and you're like, oh, it's totally normal. You don't need to worry about that. Like, do you have anything to share there? Yeah. I think the biggest is my baby cries as soon as we start to walk upstairs. They're afraid of sleep. They're afraid of their crib. They're just crying. I'm like, that is actually a beautiful sign because it it means that they understand the routine that's happening and that will surpass in about a week, you know, but what happens is when something like that happens and they're like, the second I put them down on the diaper changing table, they start crying. I'm like, they're either overtired or it's actually a good sign. So make sure they're not overtired and then give it a couple of days and it subsides. Right. Um, so I think that's a huge one because parents are like, what? they're afraid of their room or afraid of their crib. And I get it, man. Like you're just trying to do your best for your little baby. Um, with toddlers, I think we're trying to be their friend and their parents, right? Um, it's definitely like, we're all trying to love our kids, man, you know, but you gotta be able to set a boundary with that. Um, I think with infants, the leaps that they experience, right? Well, when they start standing in the crib, Okay, well, don't lay them back down because otherwise every time they stand, it turns into a game and then you're laying them down and they pop up and you lay them down and they pop up. They're not going to fall. And if you're worried that they might fall and hurt themselves, right, from just learning to stand at that day at month nine or whatever, then practice it during the day. 
Like, so have them stand up on the kitchen or on the, you know, the coffee table and then teach them how to sit down. So you can help them get through these leaps much quicker. Teething is a big one where parents are like, they have been teething for two years. And like, that is a habit, you know, Uh, (laughs) try to say it like gently, you know, and yes, kids are going to teeth for two years. It shouldn't impact sleep for two years. Like teething should hurt the day before it pushes through because it's pushing on the gums pressure, right? The day it pops through and then the day after when it's healing around the tooth. So if you've got like a kid who's been teething for six months straight, there's a habit associated, which accidentally happens. Like nobody sets out to be like, oh gosh, like I can't wait to be up every night for six months, you know? And you you fall into this stuff so quickly. In two days, you can have a kid that was a rock star sleeper, take a total dive into the toilet because they had RSV and you held them for two days. Mm. You know what I would do with a kid that had RSV? I'd hold them for two days too, right? But when it is time to get them back in the crib, it's like, all right, how do we gently get them back in there? Offer support and comfort, right? Put your hand on their chest, rock them back to sleep totally. Then the next day, do it a tiny bit less, right? And then a tiny bit less. You don't have to just drop them in there and call it a day and then go out and, you know, cry in the closet. Like it's all about gradual skill development on the left side of the pendulum and weaning off something that might have accidentally become a habit because your kid was teething and you didn't know what else to do. Like if your kid's truly teething, you know what makes them feel better? Not you picking them up, Tylenol, right? So, Talk to your doctor about it and say like, hey, there's something going on here. It seems like there's just been a lot of what I thought was teething. What should this look like? Oftentimes the teething becomes a habit. So, you know, paying attention, like if your kid gets Samotrin and goes back to bed, cool. I obviously work with your pediatrician. I'm not providing medical advice around giving your kid Motrin. But like if you're concerned that they're in pain, we want to fix that pain, which is typically done through something like that, right? It's not, well, if they're teething, I'm going to, you know, rock them to sleep. Well, you know, I mean, that will quickly become a habit. You know, it's not fixing the pain. It might soothe them a bit, but then that soothing quickly can go like downhill. So it's just, it's all balance, man. Everything with parenting is balance. And it's just trying to to keep that balance in check for, um, you know, for families at any age. Like if kids can, if you give kids an inch, they'll take a mile. So you just got to be cautious of like, where you're giving them and you could, you should like, it's okay. You know, um, just setting a boundary, you know, like mm. it would always go away. My kids would always co-sleep with me one time a year when we would go to my aunt's cause there was nowhere else to sleep. So one would sleep with me when they were like four or five, I'm not talking about babies. Like we're a safe sleep company here around, around that. But you know, with a toddler, like my daughter is obsessed with me, which is a great thing, but also can be exhausting some days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I'm like Savella, like tonight, do not touch me. There's a pillow in the bed and we are only doing this tonight at Nana's. And I just set the boundary. Everybody slept great. And then the next day when we come home, inevitably it's like, can I sleep with you tonight? No. And there's a little bit of protest and tears. And then I'm like, buddy, you can choose to go lay in bed and I'll come in and tuck you in or I'm going to go to bed, you know? And it's, Mm -hmm. okay, well then I'll go to bed. You know, no kid's going to be like, all right, high five, you know, because they liked that. But there's a boundary there, which is like, we're not doing this as a regular thing. Mm, That's super helpful. I feel like one other question I have kind of in this realm is just about bedwetting. Like how long is that normal? Because that can be a sleep disruption we've seen in our own house. How long is that normal? Like, is there an age at which 
you would be concerned that they're still bedwetting because they're a really deep sleeper or um, just any thoughts around how to, if there's things that we can do as a, as a parent, if we have an older child that still struggles with bedwetting, or is that just something that they naturally grow out of? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's developmental to some aspect internally, right? Like it is something I see most kids grow out of seven, eight years old, you know, a um, couple things I try to do to mitigate it, obviously limiting water, which most parents know to do, right? Restrict the intake. Um, sometimes there are different products, right? So that a bed wet doesn't turn into like an hour ordeal where you're like, all right, I got to get him changed. And then the bed's a nightmare and I got to get that changed, right? I double bag the beds, even my beds to this day, like liner, sheet, liner, sheet. So if there's an accident, I can just quickly grab, you know, them off and there's already a clean set underneath. Right. Genius. Um, Genius. <laughs> like my, my double bagging trip. And then um, there's a product on the market in, I think they're in Salt Lake called Pjammies. So they are pajamas that restrict leakage of bedwetting right? So you essentially pee in the jammies, but they're called pee jammies. And they're lovely because um, they're good for kids who might want to go to a sleepover. But if they're nine and they're worried about pee in the bed or peeing at grandma's or having anxiety around that, those can be helpful because they're kind of um, discreet and will capture any liquid. So the kid's not embarrassed. And then they could simply change either into the same set of pajamas. You can get them a new matching set, right? Um, but they also help mitigate the fact that like if they pee or it's something that's common, it's not going to go all over the bed sheets. It'll kind of stay in the pajamas. They can come get you and you can have like a standby set somewhere. Um, it's tough to say, you know, cause developmentally, like if it's happening every single night, is there something else going on? Right. Or if it's a sporadic thing where maybe days where they're really overtired, they're not coming to enough. Sometimes it could be even changing environment with a, a difference in a noise machine or like a small fan that blows on them be enough to kind of keep them. You still want them to get deep restorative sleep, but could something like that change their ability to come out of that deep sleep and, and be able to kind of recognize the, the bladder control that they have to go. Um, you know, always consulting with a pediatrician because you got to look at like, is everything developing properly, right? Based on age. Uh, so, sometimes it comes back to like root anxiety of something else. Um, and also things like you've got nightmares and night terrors, right? Like a nightmare is a conscious awareness. You're awake. You kind of know, mom, you know, my son had a nightmare like four years ago. He's like, mom, the marionette dolls are alive. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then they watched Toy Story 4 that day. And I was like, that movie is going in the trash. It, we're not <laughs> watching that as a family. Because to kids, if you think about it, it's kind of creepy, right? Their toys come alive. So that was the last nightmare we had, but we have a lot of clients that come with like night terrors here and that's usually overtired. If you get a kid the right amount of sleep, night terrors go away um, almost in every case of families we've worked with. So if your kid's like kind of waking up in this like subconscious sleepwalking, freaking out, they're usually tired. And sometimes kids are early wakers by default. So blackout blinds and curtains to keep that room like as pitch black as possible. There's these curtains. I think they're called home collection at Home Depot um, that I put on all of our windows and you can measure them almost to like the exact inch. And it's total blackout, like instantaneous darkness, turn night lights off. I use pink uh, Himalayan sea salt lamps in 
the rooms, they're good juju and you can turn them down like super dim. So my kids might fall asleep with it on a little brighter. And then after they're asleep, I turn it down. So if they have to pee in the middle of the night, nobody whacks their face on the desk, you know, but it's still a dim, soft light, not like a big blue light projecting up on the ceiling or anything like that. Um, you know, all of those little things can also help in like creating that environment conducive to making sure they sleep in so they're not overtired and making sure they go to bed at the right time to avoid some of that as well. That's super helpful. I love these little product ideas. I know. It's actually really helpful. We're like, okay, I'm writing down all these things that I'm going to go buy now. <laughs> well, we're so grateful for your wisdom. Um, we'd love to just invite you to share any other final parting thoughts that that you feel like could be really helpful for parents and then also how people can find you. And and I think just one thing as you, as you think about those parting thoughts, Courtney is I think it's, it's just helpful to be encouraged as parents, you know, and knowledge, knowledge is encouraging, but if there's anything as, as part of your parting thoughts, that would just be like building parents up and encouraging us as we continue in the, the joyful wrestle of parenting. I think that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my best advice is like ask for help, right? And and just don't suffer in silence. Like we're all, including myself, trying to do the best that we can. And I think your perspective on life, your perspective with your kids, your perspective in the moment, right? Like I lose my temper some days and other days it's like beautiful and happy kumbaya around the Zen's house, you know? And I think giving yourself a little grace, like I tell, that's kind of my thing is, you know, give yourself some grace and and just do the best you can. Um, ask for help. There's people that can help, right? I, I just did a podcast on my own podcast, uh, The Kids Sleep Show this morning, which has gone live today on uh, postpartum anxiety and depression, right? And, and um, it's okay to like ask for help because I didn't, you know, and, and I just, I want parents to realize like you're doing a good job and you're not an expert on sleep. You're not an expert on bedwetting. You're not an expert on, you know, toddler anxiety after a two-year pandemic. Like there are resources out there. And I tell everyone, like we, we have a Facebook community called uh, Slumber Made Simple. So it's just tired parents who come together. I go out and do free trainings all the time and such, right? But like find your community and just ask for help. Book a call with me, book a call with my team. Even if you just want some reassurance around what you're doing, right? I didn't need to hire a sleep consultant, but when I called her, I didn't know that. She's like, you don't need to hire me. You're doing great. Like just tweak your awake windows. I'm like, you're good. And I was like, no kidding. And I just felt this elation to the point that I changed my whole career, you know, (laughs) slowly over the course of eight years. But it's just like, give yourself some grace with it and just do the best you can and know that there's plenty of people that are willing to help you if you ask for it Um, and find the right person for you. You know, some people don't like me. That's okay. Like there's plenty of people on my team. And if you don't like them, there's plenty of sleep coaches, you know, in other parts of the world. I just, I try to live a very positive mindset, glass half full, joyful, happy, you know, perspective on life. Like things are not always going to be gravy, but failure, fail fast, right? Like if I did something and it didn't work, I don't mope about it. I go, all right, how do I fix this? What can I control? And I think as a parent, that's my best lesson for you. What can you control? There are certain things you can't control, right? I kind of now look at my life and go, what can I control? And then I make those obvious changes and everything else is sort of out of my control. And I try not to let it bog me down because otherwise it's just this, like the negativity of, you know, the world. So I just say like Mm -hmm. my control and I, you know, I try to go off that. So, um, 
that would be my advice. And our website company is Tiny Transitions. So it's tinytransitions.com. I have a team of 10 amazing sleep consultants all over the place. We work with families all over the world. We have somebody who speaks Arabic, somebody who speaks Spanish, somebody who works with special needs and autistic families. And um, it's just such an amazing, like I have a twin expert, a toddler expert, a newborn expert. Like we try to specialize, but also have just general line coaching for families and everybody's bios are out there. You can kind of meet and call and talk to people. Like we want you to feel good about working with a company that wants you to feel good. That's our mission, you know? So, um, lots of amazing, amazing ways that we can help you and we will be happy to do so. We offer consults. You can book something to just chat and see if we're, you know, a good fit for you. And by the time this episode airs, we're actually coming out with, uh, something that's going to be more available for all families, right? I think cost prohibitive sometimes is private sleep coaching. And so my mission has always been to make it accessible to everyone because everyone deserves a good night of sleep. So I've developed a product, um, four years of love called sleep steps. It's a DIY sleep coaching program, but it includes private coaching, like Mm -hmm. group based chats and live zooms every week, a couple times a week. So you can get on with me or a member of my team and actually like go through your issues, you know, and we're kind of piloting it as we speak right now, the notes just went out. So it's pretty exciting. It's like $97 a month and you can cancel at any time. So it's cool because it gives you full access to like fix your kids sleep. And we're also trying to create a village that makes people want to stick around because we're bringing experts and you could get sleep regression help at any point. And it's a price point that is, you know, affordable for all families to, to get quality sleep because it is so important in your mental health and your mm-hmm. kids' mental health too. So well, it's definitely resonated with us and we're, yeah. we're grateful for just the amazing work that you're doing. It's, it's just a, a beautiful purpose to be oh. fulfilling. And thank you, Courtney, for helping our family and giving us some insight today, as well as our community. And uh, just excited to, to continue to collaborate and stay connected to you. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate it. And it's so nice to meet everybody. And I hope you, uh, Give us a give us a shout if you've been listening and it resonates with you because we're more than happy to help and we've been doing so for about eight years now. So thank you again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you for listening to the second part of our interview with Courtney. We love connecting with our listeners. So if you are ever open to sharing what you're learning from the podcast or questions or topics you would like to have addressed in the podcast, just shoot me a personal note at Todd at beholdogood.com. Also, just as a reminder, we would love to have you join our community and our focus of mindfulness and family through our five-day challenge kicking off on April 24th. Visit beholdyougood.com to learn more. Have a wonderful day.